0: You're listening to the Upper Room Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit UpperRoomFrisco.com. Yay! Praise God. Out of the mouth of babes. Keep them in here. Keep them in here. Oh, man. I'm so happy to be here. Wasn't worship amazing? Man, so good. I didn't want to. I didn't want to leave that place. Sometimes I feel like we're just getting warmed up, you know. Um, <clears throat> man, there's so many new faces. I know some of you uh, don't know most of you. Uh, my name is Peter. Like Jeremy said, I'm one of the teaching pastors at the Upper Room. Uh, been around since 2010 when the Upper Room started. We were just a little prayer meeting down in Oak Lawn, and uh, we were just all hungry for God to move. And, uh, and, man, look what he's done. And to see you guys gathering up here in Frisco uh, is amazing. Uh, it's so humbling. It's so beautiful to see just hearts alive in God. You know, it's, um, it's remarkable. And so uh, it really is an honor for me to, to be here to, to, to hopefully strengthen your faith, hopefully encourage you, hopefully inspire you uh, to walk like Jesus uh, I'm a super ordinary guy, uh, ordinary fellow. My wife is here. You'll see her somewhere. She's the amazing one. We have five kids, um, and they're all here, so y'all can meet them if you don't believe me. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we, uh, man, we just, at the upper room, we just want to see God set hearts on fire um, by his presence. We want to see people encounter Jesus. Um, We live in days where we have settled in the church for uh, a form of godliness in a lot of places, but we've denied its power. And um, I believe with all of my heart that walking with God should be an experience. Uh, It should be something that if it's a relationship, if you have a relationship with the living God, um, then then you should experience God, Uh, not just in corporate worship. Uh, But when you're parenting your kids, when you're trying to be a father, when you're trying to run a business, when you wake up in the morning, you should experience God. Your faith should bring you into the presence of God. Um, No one in the Bible who ever walked with God never experienced God. Walking with God is 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 a living, breathing experience because we serve a living, breathing God. God's not dead. He's not Tired, he's not apathetic. He's not in a hole. He's not in the sky. He's present with us this evening And and I grew up in the church um, And and I didn't uh, I I never knew the Holy Spirit um, I grew up in a denomination where it was the Father the Son and the Holy Bible And so I didn't have a grid for the Holy Spirit and and what happened was um, I had enough of God to to really be uh, to have a hunger to serve God um, to, to please God To do the right thing But I didn't have the power to carry it out And and over the course of time uh, I got, man uh, Just as it happens If you don't have an intimate relationship with Jesus um, I got just overtaken in bondage To uh, all sorts of, of things As a young Christian boy I mean, I was on the outside I was your good Christian kid On the inside, struggling with lust And those kind of things being sensitive, there—I think there's quite a few kids in here, um, but I, it was just a deal that that dominated me, It dominated my life, and I began to wrestle in my early 20s and said, "God, if you're real, if you're powerful, I need to experience you. This can't just be something that I acknowledge to be true. How can I talk about the cross? How can I talk about?" Uh, the blood of Jesus, how can I talk about the greatest act of love the world has ever seen? How could I mention it with my lips and it elicit no emotional response in my heart? How could it be? And that bothered me because I was raised by my dad to have integrity and my faith didn't seem to have integrity. I would read the Bible and I would see guys willing to die for their faith. I would see guys, like there was no training on evangelism. People were just burning in love and they they were sharing Christ everywhere they went. There was no, like, have you ever noticed in the Bible, no one pulled teeth to get people to share their faith? You ever wondered that? There's not, like, whole books on how to approach the lost? Think about that for a second. But in our, in our modern day, there's a, there's a Barna study, and it says that 4% of Christians in their lifetime will actually lead someone to the Lord. Four percent, And so what we do is we do what man would do. We say, okay, 4%. If I'm in a corporation, only 4% is doing your job. We need to do some trainings. We need to get these trainings, get these guys. Casey, am I right? You know what I'm saying? And so, and so what we've done is we've focused on the what and we've forgotten the why. And, uh, and so my heart tonight, I want to talk about faith. Uh, I want to talk about faith because faith is um, the faith uh, if you're here tonight, I don't know why you came or, or where you're at, but but faith is is the most important thing that you have. The Bible says in First in Peter, you can go there with me. First Peter chapter one. Um, sorry, I didn't give you guys in the back any warning with this. I apologize. Um, they're used to it by now. They're amazing. First Peter chapter one. I'm going to start in verse three. But I'm going to talk about faith. I, I may, I'm going to teach tonight, if that's okay. I'll probably start preaching because I like to preach. But I want to teach on faith. Is that okay? Because faith's really important. Um, and, and i found as I've really, um, as I was just sharing my testimony, I just want to give you context to where I'm coming from. Because hear me, guys. I'm, I'm standing here. And and I, I know that my, my life experience is, is limited, maybe different than yours. But um, the stuff that I'm sharing from my heart, from this pulpit... Uh, from this word is not um, is not something I hope to be true. It's something that has sustained me through uh, through trials, through tribulations, through uh, eighteen thousand dollars in debt, through a nephew dying as a stillborn, through a little brother dying of cancer, through marriage difficulties, through like transition, like the stuff I'm talking about. The faith of the gospel, like, is. Is, is mighty and it's powerful and it's applicable to your life. It's not some spiritual mumbo-jumbo that stays up here that, that makes us look good. It's actually something that's, that's, that really connects you to the living God so that when you leave this place, like I know there's real needs in this room tonight. There's real bodies that need real healing from a real God. There's real marriages that need real restoration from a real father in heaven who loves your marriage. There's real kids who are wayward. There's real financial issues. There's real desires in your heart that you've carried that have been deferred and and, and hope deferred has made your heart sick because it's been 15 years and you've been tarrying and waiting for that thing and it hasn't come to pass. And so there's, there's real issues in the room, and, and what I'm sharing tonight, I believe with all of my heart, is going to strengthen your faith. And when your faith gets strengthened, what happens is your receptacle to God gets opened up. The only way you touch God, the only way you receive life and grace and power and love from God is through faith. Now, I'm going to talk about faith because a lot of us were growing up, like I was, uh, I played professional soccer. And uh, I was a really disciplined kid. My dad taught me when I was little. He said, look, look, if you work harder than anyone else, this was our joke. My dad would say, hey, he goes, I want you to do it till it's not fun and then do it some more. And, and, and that's our, and that's our, like, and I thank God for that actually, because my dad taught me work ethic. He taught me how to like work, you know? And so like, man, I got it in my head and I started working and I was never like, you look at me, you're like, dude, play professional soccer. I did. I promise. Um, but what happened was, I was never like super, like the best when I stepped onto the field, like at any given team. But what I did was, in my head, I thought, man, if I just keep getting better every day, if I keep working, eventually I'll become elite. My my, my slow mind figured that out. If I just keep ticking upward, at some point, if I don't ever stop ticking upward, I'll be at the elite of this game. And so what what I did was like we all do, you start applying that to your faith. You start applying that to Christianity. Well, if I read my Bible more and I pray more and I share my faith more, I'll become more like Christ. I'll overcome more sins. The problem with that is that it doesn't work that way. (laughs) Faith is, faith, and now, some people may disagree with me. I don't believe faith is a muscle. I'm, that's not to offend anyone who has said that. I just don't believe it's a muscle. So I want to talk about faith tonight. I want to talk about what I believe what it is. Like we, we, Jeremy talked about it right at the tail end of worship. I believe the Christian life is in response to who Jesus is. I believe that, that, that Jesus in his sovereignty and his goodness has supplied humanity, believers with a power that's able to sustain them and carry them to live a, a powerful Christian life. I believe that with all of my heart. That there's enough power in him to sustain us to do what we can never do. That Christianity is not something like, okay, well, how hard can you try? How disciplined? Like, you'll grow in your spirituality. And that, that's where I got frustrated, y'all, is I was doing all the right things. I was reading my Bible. I was praying. I was sharing my faith. I was going to church. I was walking in the light. And I wasn't overcoming sin. I wasn't becoming more like Jesus. How many of you know that's frustrating? come on, just talk to me. I, I don't know how to be other than real. Like that, that to me is like really, really maddening when you're doing what you think you're supposed to do, what you were trained to do, but it's not working. It's not actually producing power. And, and so over the years, back in 2010, the Lord, he, he smacked me. I had this encounter. He said, Peter, I'm anointing your feet to run with the gospel. I said, praise God, Lord. I said, but you're going to need to teach me the gospel." Because I don't know it, because I don't, the, the gospel I heard didn't put this burning fire in my heart, and I, d- I don't know how to communicate it, and I don't see the gospel producing fiery world changers wherever they go, it's revival or riot. Like, I didn't see that, I didn't grow up with that Christianity. And so for the last nine years, I have, I have gotten in this word, and I've said, God, you've just got to teach me the gospel. You've got to explain it to me, you've got to make it real simple, and, and, and so t- tonight, I just want to present to you some of that, a, a portion of that, um, and let's read in First Peter chapter 1, so we can give, just give some context, some handles here. Oh, praise God. Let's start in verse, um, well, we've got to start in verse 3, otherwise it doesn't make sense. <clears throat> Y'all there? Say amen. Amen. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Someone praise God for that. Come on. So we were born again to a living hope. So our hope's not dead. It's alive through the resurrection of Jesus to an inheritance. Our inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Praise God. And it's kept in heaven for you. Listen to this. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Did y'all catch that? He's saying, listen, there's a, God's power is guarding you through faith for a salvation that's going to be revealed in the future. Okay, look at verse six. This was supposed to be a, like that. We were supposed to all burst into joy right there. <laughs> when, when, Paul, when Peter wrote this to the church, they were, he was, they were reading this and they were like, yeah. And then he goes, in this you rejoice, verse six. Because <laughs> they started rejoicing. Why? Because their heart was tethered to the return of Jesus. Oh, man. Look at this. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Look at this. So that the tested genuineness of your faith. Look look at this. More precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's saying, listen... Note number one, hey guys, your faith, I don't care what's in your bank account, your faith is way more important than that. Like the status of your faith is more important than what's in your bank account. It's, it's more precious than gold, though it's refined by fire. And he's saying, listen, your faith will result, listen to this, your faith in Jesus will result in praise in glory and honor when Jesus is revealed from heaven. What's he saying? He's saying, man, when, when your heart has been built upon the man Jesus Christ and you have trusted him, not just to be born again, but to sustain your Christian life and to carry you into the ever after. When your heart is established in that place in faith, he says that will result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus. And time would fail me to go through and talk about all of the references in the the New Testament about the faith. Stand firm side by side for the faith of the gospel. You can be strengthened in faith. You can have weak faith. Your faith can be shipwrecked. You guys know this? So faith can be weak. Faith can be strong. Faith can be shipwrecked. Faith is more precious than gold. Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 13 says, examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Right? He's like, hey, give yourself a test. Test yourself to see if you're in the faith. And so I want to talk about that tonight because many of us, if I were to ask you, what is the faith? What is the thing that, that we're supposed to be unified around? What's, what's that one thing? Like, you may express Jesus differently. You may come from a different denomination, but the one thing that was meant to unify us as a body is our faith in Jesus. And our, not just our faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, but our faith in the living Jesus and our faith in his return. That's the common denominator. Are you with me? I, I want to I read one more scripture here. Um, no, I'm just going to hop into here. Let me read this. Faith is the conduit through which God's grace comes to us. Faith is. All right. No, we're good. We're fine. So look at this. Without faith, look, without faith, there's no supply of God's grace. Without faith, there's no transformation. Without faith, there's no experience of God. Faith will necessarily bring you into an experience with God. Faith is the channel through which God's grace, spirit, love, and power flow into the human heart. Faith can be weak, faith can be strong, faith is not a muscle to be worked, faith can be shipwrecked, faith can be established. The focal point of faith can never rest on an outcome, it must rest upon Jesus. And the gospel is the message that gives us the opportunity to have faith. It is also the message that strengthens our faith because the gospel reveals the answer. Listen to this the gospel reveals the answer to three basic questions that have kept the human heart in bondage ever since the fall of man. And I said this, faith comes by hearing the word of God and faith comes by looking to Jesus. So faith scripturally comes in two ways. There's only two ways you can get faith. It's by hearing the word of God and it's by looking to Jesus. Hebrews 12, Romans 10, Hebrews 12. Biblically, I have only found two ways that the human heart can actually grow in faith. It's listen, this is so important. It's hear the word of God. Are you guys okay with the siren? Okay, cool. It's, I'm just going to go. It's hear the word of God and it's to look to Jesus. Okay. Those are the two ways. So you say, how do I know if I'm weak in faith or I'm, or I'm strong in faith? I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you give yourself the test. Is that cool? I don't know if this is the test Paul was talking about, but this is the test I give myself. Amen. (laughs) So look at this, so there's, there's, I believe there's three questions you have to answer when it comes to faith, three questions, three questions. First question, is God able? Second question, is God willing? Oh, not as loud on that one. No, we're going to, we're about to unpack this. Third question, how does he do it? If God's able and God's willing, then how? How? I'm going to show you that in the Bible, okay? Go to Matthew chapter 8. This is about to get so fun. Are you all ready? I love the Word of God. Man, I freak out when I read the Word. My, Christy was talking to me the other day, and I was, it was in the morning, and I was reading, and the Lord was showing me something. And it was like, I'm kind of slow, so it takes it a minute to go in there. But but sometimes when it hits you like deep, how many of you know when the word hits you deep and you manifest like you're like, whoa, you know, how many of you read your Bible that way? Like, like I'm just sitting there and we're talking and legitimately I'm reading and I saw that when when Moses turned the water to blood and Jesus turned the water to wine, they were both terrorizing the devil. And I read that and, I, and she was talking to me and I was like I was off. I was already slipped off into this thing. And I just started, crying. I was like, whoa, and she goes, what, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I just connected some dots. <laughs> I just get excited. So check this out. So, so in, in, in Matthew 8, check this, there's a leper that comes to Jesus. He came down from the mountain, Jesus did, and great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before Jesus saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. If you will, you can. That was the prayer of the leper. So this is, the only, this is the only prayer I have found in the scriptures concerning someone who's sick, who prays to God, if it be thy will. It's the only scripture in the Bible concerning physical healing that I have found. Now, I'm, I'm open to be corrected. And so I'm not saying that area. I'm really not. I'm, I'm not. I haven't, you know, maybe there's one somewhere. But I haven't found another one where someone prays to Jesus and says, if it be thy will, you can heal me. Now, many of us in the church today, that's an acceptable prayer. We say, Lord, if it be thy will, then heal my, my, my cousin of cancer. Or if it be thy will, heal my mom of, of whatever disease. We, we pray that. And, and that's been spiritualized. And we've said, hey, that's a good prayer because we don't know the will of God. That, that's where this leper was at. He, 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 was, he had faith in God's ability, but he was in unbelief or uncertainty when it came to the willingness of God. So, so I would say his faith was, was, in some senses, it was kind of weak, because he, he knew Jesus enough to know that he had the power, because he'd heard testimonies, right? So he'd heard testimonies, okay, good. God has the power, but I don't know if he's willing. So here, here he comes, he goes, Jesus, if you're willing, you can. You have the power if you're willing. And Jesus goes, I will. And I believe, scripturally, he settles the question once and for all by saying, I will. Lord, is it your will? He says, I will. <laughs> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you then, because if you say I will, then the third question goes, well, then how? On what basis does he do it? Are you with me? I'm going to go there. So then, then check this out. So, so, so that guy knew God was able, but he didn't know God was willing. But look, if you fast forward in, uh, in Mark 8, go to Mark 8, verse 22. This is so cool. Jesus, um, Jesus is, in, uh, is in Bethsaida, and it says this in verse 22 and 23, And some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. They brought him a blind man and begged him to touch him, and he took the blind man by the hand. So he touched him. And he led him out of the village, and when he had spit on his eyes and laid hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? So he spits on the dude's eyes. These people knew that not only was God able, but that he would, but they didn't know how he would. Oh, y'all didn't get that. Listen, they knew he was able, and they knew that he would. They just said, in their mind, because he had done it in the past, they said, we want you to touch him, because that's how you do it. But that's not how he's wanted to do it. So look, many people, they approach God this way. They say, hey, I know God is powerful, and I know he's willing. And because he did it this way, we're going to do it this way. And God's like, no, 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 I'm a relational God. Many of you, you've been looking for for the power of God, and I just feel the prophetic word. You've been looking for God to break, break through for you. And you've been going back to that, that previous power encounter you had and what preceded all of that and those things and how God expressed himself in power previously. And you've been going back to that, looking for God to move in your life. He says, I'm not doing it that way anymore. That's not how I'm doing it. He said, they said, Hey, I want you to touch him. And he goes, And he grabs the guy by the hand, and the guy wasn't healed. So the same power, look at this, the same power previously where Jesus touched the guy and power went into his eyes, it didn't happen. He touched him and the power didn't go into his eyes. The power didn't touch his eyes until he goes and spit. Why? Because God's relational. God doesn't want you to rely on the expression of power. He wants you to rely upon him. He's, he's relational, like he's so romantic. He wants you to trust in him. He doesn't want you trusting in a man or a preacher like, like no man or preacher can save you. God can. Are you guys with me? Are you okay? Okay, I, I want to show you one more thing um, in Matthew, uh, Matthew 8. Go back to Matthew 8. Go to verse 5. Check this out. So, so the, those guys, I would say, like, if the, if the leper had, like, okay faith... And, the, and then the guys who brought the man, they had, like, they had like pretty strong faith. This dude's got rockin' faith. Y'all ready? There's this progression of faith that you're seeing. And I believe it's connected to their ability to answer those three questions. Is God able? Is he willing? And how does he do it? Is he able? Is he willing? And how does he do it? I can, I can determine the level of your faith based on how you answer those three questions to me. I can determine your level of faith. In your marriage, is God able to heal it? If you say no, then you're in unbelief. And that's why you feel so sad. That's why you feel so hopeless. That's why you feel so disconnected from the supply of God's grace. If you say, well, God's able, but I don't know that he's willing. Then you have some level of hope that's sustaining you, that's sort of a foundation keeping you in the marriage, but your uncertainty of the willingness of God to actually break through in your marriage. Right, And so you're, you're, you're being sustained by that faith that says he's able, and that's, that's sustaining you, but it's, it's, it's weak faith. It's, it's barely getting you by, because you don't know if God's willing. You're unsure. And that creates a real conflict inside of you. Why? Because if God has the power to do something, but he's unwilling to do something, then you have to explain that in some way. You either have to redefine the goodness of God... Or you have to assume that there's some higher lesson or purpose in the pain. Are you with me? So if you're certain that he's able, but you're not certain of his willingness, like you'll get by, you'll be okay, you'll be sustained, but it'll be really, really hard. Now, here's, there's some other people, and, and, and they're certain that God's able. Let's use the marriage example. They know God's able. I ask you, hey, is God able to heal your marriage? Absolutely. He's, gonna, he's, he's got the power to do it. Absolutely. He parted the Red Sea. Absolutely. Is he willing? Absolutely. I believe he loves me. How is he going to do it? I have no idea. He's going to change my husband. <laughs> he's going to change my wife. And he says, no, no, no. Let me show you how. In strong faith is when faith actually sees in Jesus how he's going to move in that situation. And when you see how Jesus is going to move in that situation, and you see that, and you go, okay, wow, all of a sudden, you begin to express that, and I promise you, the power of God, the grace of God will flow into that area of your life. Oh, man. Look at this. Matthew 8, verse 5. Uh, when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk you through this man's faith according to this test. Is he able? Is he willing? And how? You ready? You ready? Okay. He says, Lord, this is his prayer. My servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. So... A, he doesn't even ask Jesus to heal him. He just tells Jesus his situation. But you get in the language that he's appealing. There's an appeal. There's a, there's a faith that God is able to do something because he's coming to him. Right? He wouldn't have come if he didn't believe God was able. If I asked you, uh, if, if I said, hey, do you believe I'm able to lay hands on you and you be healed? If you didn't believe I was able, you wouldn't come up here. That's what we're seeing here. We're seeing that the centurion came to Jesus. He goes, okay, God, I know you're able. So check, number one, this guy's got some, at least he's got some faith. All right? Now look at this. And he said to him, Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. So Jesus himself, this guy had the benefit of Jesus answering the second question, which is I'm willing Are you guys with me? This is the ingredient, I believe, for biblical faith. Is he able? Is he willing? And how does he do it? And so Jesus says, look, at this is crazy. This is crazy. He says, I will come. I will come. I will move my feet. I will go to your house, and I will do what you ask me to do. How many of you know this guy prayed to Jesus, and Jesus gave him an answer, and he says, Jesus is like, okay, done, deal, I'll do it. How many of you would be like, boom, let's, <laughs> let's roll, right? We would just go. And, but this guy, he has a, he has a, 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 resp- a response to Jesus' coming, Jesus' willingness. Something inside of him responds to Jesus' willingness to come to heal his servant. And look what he says. I want you to see this. But the centurion replied, not hallelujah, thank God, praise the Lord, come on, let's do this thing. He replied, he says, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word. Catch that. He says, you only say the word, and my servant will be healed. What does he do? He acknowledges the how. He goes, I know that you can come this way, but I also know that you can do it this way. And he says this, I'm a man under authority when soldiers, with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and another, come, and he comes, and to my servant. Um, and when Jesus heard this, look at this, verse 10, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Why? Because he didn't just know that God was willing. He knew that God was able, willing, and he knew how Jesus could do it. So, so let's, let's bring this to us today. Okay. So that's the test. So I know, I know you're in this room. Some of you got financial stuff. Some of you have health stuff. Some of you have relational stuff. Some of you like, whatever it is, I want you to bring that mountain before you. Now there's, there's obviously a desired outcome. Maybe it's, you want your body healed. You want your, your marriage restored. You want your business to flip up. You want your debt to be canceled. Like How many of you, you can bring it to mind right now? Like, I don't want anyone, like, disengaged. Like, bring that thing to mind, because we're going to do some work here, okay? Uh, Your faith is going to be strengthened by the grace of God tonight. The Bible says it's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. Many of you, I feel in my spirit, you need a heavy dose of the grace of God. And grace will flow when your faith opens up to see Jesus. And I'm getting to Jesus. (laughs) I promise I'm getting to Jesus, okay? Okay. You're hearing the word. Hopefully your faith is being stirred, but you're going to see Jesus in just a moment, okay? You got the thing? W- wave at me if you've got the thing, or take a moment. We can play the pads. I don't know what we need to do. Like, I want you to engage, because, like, if you just come and hear and listen and don't engage your heart, like, let's just go home. Like, let's, let's do work with God, Let's let's see mountains bow tonight. Let's see sicknesses be cast off of you. Let's see demonic addictions be broken off. Let's see marriages healed. Let's see hope deferred. Like, let's see people who have been longing to get pregnant get pregnant. Like, let's see it. Let's see wayward children come home. Like, let's... Let's, like, are you there? Like, is any, okay, let me, okay, let me do this. I'm going to ask you. Are you there? You got the thing. Have you pulled it up? Have you pulled it up in your mind? You're, you're looking at it. Okay, here's the, here's the question. I want you to respond in some verbal or physical response, like, to your faith, because faith needs an action. You with me? There's, Paul says, man, we receive grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith. So the obe- obedience of faith here is just you responding to this question. Are you ready? You got the thing? Is God able Bring the thing. Is he he powerful enough to deliver you from that thing? Are you sure? I need need to be sure that you're sure. You've got it. Like he like he's not lacking any power or authority to to help you overcome that thing. Are we certain? Is every is anyone not on that same page? I will come get you. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But, but no, no, you, you got to deal with that because some people are in unbelief. Like, I mean, I've laid hands on the guys with no legs, and I, if I'm being real, in that moment, the no legs got bigger than Jesus. Let's be honest. You've been confronted with something, and it's bigger than Jesus. For some of you, you, you things are confronting you that have gotten bigger than Jesus. That's why you feel the way you feel. That's why you don't have hope. Oh, why don't I have hope? Why am I so? It's because that thing's gotten bigger than Jesus. The question, faith begins with, is he able? Does he have the power? And I want to make a note here, because this is really important. I'm not just talking about salvation. I'm talking about, does he also have the power to make you like himself? Oh, that's another day. I want (laughs) to preach that so bad. (laughs) I heard the Lord say, that's another day. Man.) <laughs> I so wanted to mess with that. All right. So you've got the thing. Is he he's able? Okay. Is he willing? I didn't hear it. you hear Did you guys hear it the first time? Yes. Second time, is he willing? Yes. I think so. Is he willing? Yes. No, 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 no. This isn't a muscle. Listen, I'm I'm asking you to reflect as to why there would be a question mark that would come into your heart. If he's powerful and able, why does the question mark pop up when we say, is he willing? Where's the same certainty in his willingness as the certainty that we have in his ability? Where where does it come from? Where does our faith rest? Does it rest in Jesus or does it rest in an outcome? If it rests in an outcome, you'll be uncertain of his willingness. Why? Because you got disappointed in outcomes in the past and you put that on Jesus. This is super important because your faith many of many people their faith gets shipwrecked for this reason. They get disappointed, mad at God, God didn't come through for me and their faith wasn't in Jesus, it was in an outcome that they thought that Jesus should have done. My brother dying of cancer is the wrong outcome biblically. It's biblically It's biblically out of bounds, scripturally. it, It contradicts the kingdom of heaven, contradicts what Jesus did on the cross. Do you understand that when I lay hands on the sick, I'm not wondering whether or not if it be thy will. No more than I would wonder if someone who was lost and said, I want to be born again tonight and I want to put my faith in Jesus, I'm not wondering if they're going to be born again. I'm certain that if they call upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. How many of you, if someone says they stand up tonight and you go, man, if anyone's not right with God, you've never, you've never made covenant with God. And they said, I want to make covenant with God. And they came forward and they prayed and they're crying and they're going, Lord, I give you my life. And you heard them pray. How many of you would be 100% certain that person's born again? Come on. Assuming that they put their faith in Jesus, that they heard the crystal clear gospel, how many of you, someone walks up here with stage four cancer and you have that same certainty they're going to be healed tonight? There's a question mark. Why? Because we've buried people who died of cancer. And our faith has been on the outcome and not upon, here's the thing, scripturally, biblically, there is a, there is a grounds, there is a, a foundation for our faith connected to the man Jesus that's meant to give you certainty. Can I tell you what it is? Does anyone know what it is? Why, why, would, why would we have certainty that, that, that not only is he able to heal the sick, but he's willing to heal the sick? Where, where would it come from as believers? Where would that faith come from? What would it be grounded upon? Excuse me? His stripes. His stripes. His stripes were the payment for physical bodies to be healed. Not the crown of thorns. Oh, y'all aren't with me. Not the nails in his hands, the stripes on his back were the specific payment for physical bodies to be healed. It's the specific way. See, here's, here's where faith comes. Here's where your faith will explode when you see God's purpose with Jesus and with the cross from beginning to end, and you discover that God's expression of power through Jesus, that his work was intricate. It was like, like Jesus' life and the brushstrokes of his salvation is all the power and grace that we need to overcome all the effects of the fall of man. Oh, let me ask you the question. Let me just put it this way: Like I want to, this this he says no. Go dive in. (laughs) He says no. Zero in here. I'm gonna zero in here. Is God able? Is he is he able and powerful enough to take away from us tonight every effect of the fall of man? Is he able? When I say every effect, I mean he takes away every sickness, every disease, and every propensity to sin where we would no longer ever be enslaved to sin, we'd have no mark of sin, and we would never sin the rest of our life. Is he able to do that? Are we sure? I know you're saying yes because I've conditioned you to say yes, but I'm I'm really like, do we believe that? God has enough power and he's able to, to remove from humanity every effect of the fall of man So he's able is he willing So we're all going to encounter him this way tonight do we know how? Let me, let me help you guys. This will help. I promise this will help. I was talking about the stripes. Did y'all catch the stripes thing? You can't take back his stripes. His stripes either heal everybody or they heal nobody. It's either a Russian roulette or there's power upon... There's grace and healing virtue that flows from the stripes of Jesus. Jesus. Either the death, burial, and resurrection gets you born again, or it doesn't. You can't have it both ways. You can't, it's, not a, it's not a lottery system. He, God no more makes a choice of his will to get someone born again. Like, like if he's calling them, if he's drawing them, it's like, man, that's it. Like, it's, it's done. Sealed. His stripes were sufficient payment for any physical ailment in the room tonight. And I'm just telling you, if you're willing, if you if you if you believe God's able, if you can see the stripes—not the outcome, not the ten thousand people that have prayed for you before tonight—I'm saying, if you can actually see the stripes and you can just reach up and grab the stripes by faith, you go, okay. Like it's not a muscle. Like you can't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You didn't fast enough. You didn't pray enough. I'm telling you, all of the powers connected to Jesus. All of it. Like there's no power associated with you jumping through freaking religious hoops to try to do the right thing. Um, it, it It fires me up because people get this religious mindset that if I pray enough, if I fast enough, if I walk in the light enough, I'll overcome sin. No, it's all connected to Jesus. All the power you need to overcome sin, to be delivered, to be healed, to be sanctified, and to walk just like Jesus Christ is connected to the man Jesus Christ. All of it all of it. Now, there's a conflict, there's a problem, because many of us are still struggling and overcome by sin. Many of us are still failing to walk like him. Why? Because we're not connected to the flow. We've lost faith. Our faith is weak. We believe God's able to do these things, but we don't know that he's willing, and we certainly don't know how. And and where I've gotten so like lit up in my spirit, where I've grown leaps and bounds in Jesus, as I've discovered how He's determined to save me and to make me like His Son. Can I just can I just point it out? When 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 God chose to deliver Israel from Egypt, <clears throat> He used a man named Moses. Oh, we're out of time. Can y'all come up just or maybe pads or something, Allie? Um, well, I'm going to pray for you. Well, that went fast. This will help, I promise. What did he say? Moses said, hey guys, listen, the final plague's coming. I want you to kill a lamb, and I want you to put the blood of that lamb on the doorpost. Otherwise, the death angel will come, and your firstborn son will die. You guys know the story. So so what they did, everyone who believed Moses, they said, okay, I'm going to believe that. And they, they, they killed a lamb, and they put the blood on the doorpost. And here's what happened. That night, the death angel came. The death angel came, and, and, and how cool is this? The blood of that lamb had power, had power to save the firstborn from the death angel. It had power. That death angel actually put firstborns to death in Egypt. There was wailing. There was There was weeping and crying. Why? Because firstborns were being slaughtered that night but those who put the blood there was was a power that protected them that saved them from the death angel now check this out Who, who was it whose power was it that protected them God's right God was the source of that power that protected them from the death angel. But as they left that place, they said, all right, we got to go. We got to get out of here. Let's, let's take all the things. And, and they get to the, the, the Red Sea and they get to the, 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 the barriers and the mountain. And then Pharaoh's coming with his army. And how many of you know, how many people would be tempted to go, man, Pharaoh's coming. there. He's going to kill us. He's, gonna, he's mad at us. They're like, all right, here's what we're going to do. Let's go get some lambs. Let's kill some lambs and let's go get some buckets of blood and let's dump it on Pharaoh. That's a good idea, cause, cause man, if if that blood saved me from the death angel and that was the wisdom of God, let's go take the blood of the lamb and let's go put it on Pharaoh, cause he'll probably melt like the wicked witch of the west or something, and we'll all be good. And some of you in Christ, the reason why you haven't, you haven't grown in God is because you're still pleading the blood over things that, like, like the blood doesn't do any good on Pharaoh. The blood has no power over Pharaoh. The blood of, of, of the lamb had no power to save Israel from Pharaoh. They needed the waters for that. Why would God change it? Why would he go from blood to water? Because he's relational. Yes. He's relational. He wants connection. And, they, and, and the waters were what buried their bondage to slavery. Egypt represents sin, it represents slavery. So many of you, you're pleading the blood over your sin habit, and God says, no, no, no. You just need to identify with the death of Jesus. You were buried with him by baptism into the waters. You were raised to newness of life. That sin habit, that sin pattern in your life is not because you need the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus saved you from eternal death specifically. But the blood of Jesus did not save you from your sin habit because you need to identify with the grave of Jesus. Oh my gosh. When you understand how... He is purposed to save you. All of a sudden, your faith explodes, and you're like, oh, I can live free from sin. Oh, I I see every step of the way. I see Jesus in his intent to save me. And I see that, wow, one season he used Moses to bring me out of Egypt, but in another season he used Joshua to bring me into the promised land. So that man of God you've been following that got you so far, maybe God says, hey, I want him to be dead. I want another guy to bring you further. I just feel in my heart tonight that we've gotten stuck in a rut. We've gotten like our faith has been stagnant, and God's encouraging us tonight. Go, will you let me be a relational God? And will you let my grace and my power and my spirit flow to you? Like it will. There is enough grace and power and love in God to meet every need in this room tonight. Every need. Every need every financial need, every sickness, every disease, every brokenness, like, I'm, I'm so gripped with the reality that there's more than enough in Jesus. There's more than enough. And I'm like, King Jesus, help us get our eyes off of ourselves and onto you. It's not to do with you. It doesn't have to do with your spouse or your coworker that's being unfair. Like, no one can hinder the power of God flowing to you. If your heart reaches out and just and just reaches up and touches Jesus, he's like, man, it's he has it all. He has it all. And I don't know what it is that you need tonight. I don't know that thing that you held up, but I know there's enough power. I, I, I like I feel it. I, I feel like like his his willingness, his willingness and his ability, I feel so like certain tonight. And because there's varying people across this room, I'm like, okay, he's going to do it differently tonight, but I believe he's going